when the world is looking on at that healthy family living in the joy and the peace and the harmony that it is, they're actually seeing a microcosm of the kingdom of God on earth. <laughs> they're seeing a representation of God's plan for the whole ball of wax. Welcome to You and Me and Jesus, a Christian marriage podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to You and Me and Jesus. You're listening to episode 12. Wow. We're up to 12 episodes. Mindy? That's great. Yeah, that's my wife, Mindy, over there. Hello. Welcome back, friends. Yep, it's good to be with you again. I want you to think about the feeling that you have in life when you know that you've done a good job on something. That feeling of satisfaction and, I don't know, some kind of encouragement we feel when we see a job well done that we had a part in. And then go a step beyond that. And imagine how that feeling changes when the thing you've done actually impacted someone in a very positive way, you know, a person. You see them encouraged. You see them helped. I mean, how does that feel when that happens? It encourages you. It fills you up because you see how you have helped them to succeed in whatever it is you were helping them with. It's a blessing. It's, it's really, it brings you a joy, a satisfaction. Yeah, it's fun to see people blessed. And... It reflects really the reason we were called to be believers in the first place. We're to be a blessing in the world. And so that's part of what we're feeling there. And it's interesting as we talk about the roles in marriage, and, and today we're focusing in on the wife's role in marriage, to take note of the fact that God has appointed wives to be a special kind of help to someone, a special kind of encouragement and support to someone. And he calls it being a helper. He uses that word. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. Genesis 2, 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay, so let's get the context of the situation that we're stepping into here. For some time in the creation account, we're not told how long, Adam has been alone. God created him first without Eve there. And he gave him all this work to do, told him to name the animals. And so he's been doing all that. And the animals have been coming to him by twos because God created them in twos. And he's been naming them, giraffes, elephants, monkeys, whatever. And it says there was no helper found suitable for Adam. It's contrasting his situation to that of the animal kingdom. Every animal has a complementary part, but he doesn't. And so that's where this verse comes in. The Lord says, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So let me ask you a question, Mindy. Did God realize that he'd forgotten something? Did he suddenly go, oh, oops, I should have made a woman for this guy? No, it's just his order of creation. It's just how he purposed it to come about. Yeah, so when God does things in the way he does them, he does it for a reason. So there was purpose behind this. Why did he create Adam first with no companion? Well, I think, first of all, he's communicating something about human nature, that we need each other. We're social creatures. We're made to interact. And being alone is not good. I mean, it's very interesting. Out of all the things God made, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. 
Here God says it is not good. And it's something he made. He made that way. So he's, he's intentionally pointing out people need people. You know, this guy can't stay alone. He's just showing the value of community. That's how God planned it. So we can be encouraged by that. We can seek that and not strive to be so individualistic or a loner. <laughs> yeah, totally right. And so if that alone was the only reason that God created Adam first without Eve, this is a massive lesson for us to take out of this. We need to be interdependent as human beings. We don't need to be such lone rangers and people who are just trying to do our own thing. And this is particularly true in marriage. Couples that just kind of each does their own thing and they just live in the same house and share the same bank account and all that. That's not God's plan for marriage. There's to be a unity. And and this is a point that we need to make sure we don't lose sight of as we keep unpacking this. Now let's look at in the verse where it says, God said, I will make a helper suitable for him. This is going to kind of get deep into the language for a minute, but we need to go there to really understand what God's saying. The original text of Genesis was written in Hebrew. And so the Hebrew words that are used for helper suitable for him or fit for him, as this translation says, is actually two words. It says, I will make him an ezer, neged is the Hebrew words. And ezer means help or helper. Neged means counterpart or corresponding part. So when God created Eve, he made a helpful counterpart to Adam. Or you could say a helper who corresponds to him. Or the perfect match. Yeah, or the perfect match, exactly. Just like the animals all had a perfect match, he made a perfect match for Adam. Now, it's interesting that God says helper suitable for him. He could have said all kinds of things. And they would have all been true. He could have said a companion suitable for him because that would have been true. He could have said a lover or a friend. Those would have been true. But that's not what he said. He's specifically trying to communicate something important to us because what God says and what he leaves out are vitally important. And we need to learn how to pay attention when we read the scripture. So before we unpack the practical nature of what being a helper means, I think we should clarify here for a minute that by using this word helper, God is not communicating anything about the woman's value. He's only communicating about her role as a woman, why he made her, not about how important she is or how valuable she is. Right. Like I'm not less important than you are in our marriage relationship. God has just appointed me to be the helper, you to be the head. And that's my role, just like I have the role to be a mom. I have a role to be a friend, a sister, a daughter, a teacher, a mentor, things like that. So it's it's one of the roles that God has given me. And he's clarifying it because he has a purpose in what he's wanting me to do as a wife. Yeah, and that's really a great blessing to you as a wife for God to give you clear instruction on here's your role, here's what you do. Right, it's his loving kindness. He's giving me clear instruction of, of how to do it. He's the one that has created marriage. We know God is perfect. We know that all that he does is perfect and good and true. So he's the one we want to look to. You know, how do we live out this marriage that you created, Father? Tell us how to do it. So then we will find most joy and satisfaction in it. Yeah. And one of the things you said in there was, you're not less important because you're a helper and I'm the head. I think it's important to think about that for a minute. Because the reason the helper was made 
because the man had a need. And so his full purpose can't be fulfilled without the helper to come along and help him do it. And in marriage, that's particularly true. A husband cannot lead the family rightly without his helper doing her job. And if we remember that God has made this plan for his purposes, it's not about us and what we want. It's about obeying him and fulfilling his plan for marriage to bring glory to him and to show the world the love of God. And so we need to follow his rules, not our desires. That's right. And I know that this whole thing that we're talking about can sometimes be construed or felt, especially by women, that, well, the word helper's demeaning. It's a lesser term. It's putting her down, those kinds of things. But we really need to think that through on a real simple way. You and I know, because we raised kids, that there were times we had to help them with their math or we had to be their helper when it came to science homework. Does that mean we're being demeaned, that we're less than them or we're not as important? No, actually, in that context, we're much more important than they are because we're the ones who know math. Right. You know math. I don't know math. Well, you said science and I definitely wouldn't be helping them with science. Yeah. So (laughs) maybe I would be the one that helps with science. But the point is the helper is an indispensable asset in that moment. Right. Because the kid's confused, needs help. And the situation in the garden with Adam and Eve was similar to that. Adam was in a, a fix and he needed help. And so the helper role is not a demeaning role. It's really a very valuable role. I think it's just a good reminder in general, we need to value where God has placed us in any role or any position in life because God wants us there. It kind of reminds me of how the Bible talks about not envying or coveting. God wants us to be satisfied with what he's given us to do. That's his plan for us and it's going to be best. So if I am a woman and I'm married to my husband, I need to be content and not envy or covet a different role and find joy in that. When we let go of our strong opinions and our dissatisfaction for any given reason and just decide, okay, I'm going to settle in what you've given me to do. That's where the joy and the satisfaction comes. Not when we strive against God's plan for us. Yeah, that's very good. And I think in our experience together, you have been a great example of a woman who carries out your role with joy. You really enjoy being a wife. You enjoy doing the things that you as a wife are called to do. It's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Yeah, flesh that out for a bit. Help the women who are listening to understand the ways that you're able to have joy and why that joy is there as you fulfill your role. Well, it gives me great joy in being an encouragement to you building you up. And if there's areas that I think you need improvement in, I am thankful that the Lord helps me to know how to help you. And then when I see you grow in those areas, it brings me great joy. I absolutely love that. And I just think, thank you, Lord, for using me. Because when we first got married, I very much loved you and respected you. But Because I've seen you grow in areas that God used me to help you in, I love you even more and I respect you even more. And so it's the joy to be a part of seeing God do a great work in you, along with just the practical things. It's a joy working with you, helping you, 
in our role as parents with our children or in our role ministering to other couples, for example. I just, I love the give and take. It's kind of like you could equate it to like a business partnership where I have strengths in one area, you have strengths in another area. And when we combine our strengths, it's a great, powerful unit that produces greatly. And I, I feel like that's what God intends for a marriage, to have this powerful unit that is bringing him great glory. That is really good. And it resonates with me because it's the experience that we've had together. And I see that from my side of the equation. Now, let me dig a little more deeply into that. Why does it matter so much to you that I grow in the ways the Lord intends for me to grow? Why? I mean, you, you, you said that was one of the ways you receive joy is by seeing me grow. Why is that so important? What's at the root of that? Well, I know that that is God's heart for you. He wants you to become more like Christ. That's his purpose in all of our lives. He's given me that desire for you. More than anything, I want your relationship with the Lord to be all that God wants it to be. Probably also because it grieves my heart the most if you were not walking with the Lord. If you were struggling with your relationship with Him, that would probably be one of my greatest sorrows. If I felt like I was more mature than you in the Lord, and I was being the spiritual leader in our relationship, that would grieve me. I would, I would hate that. I would want you to be as close to the Lord, at least as I felt I was in my relationship with the Lord. And if you surpassed me, I would be excited about that. You know, I, I would cheer you on. I would want that. And so what would you say to a woman who feels like you just described her relationship with her husband? That she's more mature. He's either lagging or not even interested. Yet she's called to be this helper to help spur him on toward that. That can be a very tenuous place for a woman to be. What, what's your advice to that person? I would encourage her to start out in prayer, asking the Lord to work in her husband's heart, asking the Lord to show her how she could love and encourage and spur her husband to do the right things in relationship with him. The Holy Spirit is so faithful to guide wives in that because that's his desire for the husband. Peter talks about having a gentle and quiet spirit with your husband so that by your actions and your words, he will be won over. So depend heavily on the Lord to lead you in how to encourage your husbands to love God. I mean, that's where we were at when we first got married. And the Lord really convicted me. I want you to be silent and I want you to pray. And I just felt like he gave me this period of time where I just prayed a lot and he was getting me ready to speak encouragement to you and he was getting you ready to receive it. And then he did a great work, but I I had to start out in complete dependence on God. Help me to help my husband. Now, when you said God told you to be silent and to pray, you don't mean you could never say a word. Right. Let's just be clear. Right. He just was wanting me to be patient and hold off in maybe being encouraging and exhortive to you regarding spiritual issues. So we're already kind of into this subject, but let's talk for a minute about what it means for a wife practically to be a helper. And when I say practically, I mean day-to-day. What does that look like in her role? Does that mean she's the only one doing all the domestic stuff, the cooking, the cleaning, the the laundry? Is that what we're talking about? Are we talking about something more relational and more spiritually oriented? I think the wife needs to be open to being a helper to her husband in any area and seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to guide her in how to best do that. 
but that can mean practically help around the house. That can mean relationally between the two of them. That can mean in the role as parents. God has given women a sensitivity to relational interaction where to where the wife is more sensitive in those areas than the husband is many times. And so I know in our relationship as husband and wife, there were times when I had to make you aware of how to better speak to me, how to care for my parents, Hmm. things that you just didn't even recognize. And you responding to me with openness and humility helped us to be able to work on that problem. And we worked together for good to come out of it. Many times I was able to help you to know the needs of our children because I would sense the emotional need our children might have in in any given day. And I could come to you and I could talk to you about and suggest our son needs this, our daughter needs this. And you being able to accept that I'm your helper in that way, you would receive it and you would do it. And a beautiful thing has come out of it. You have a great relationship with our children. Our children look up to you. Our sons have said that you are their hero. (laughs) They want to be like you. I mean, things like that. Just, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. We work as partners. You were the head. I was the helper. But because you listened to my help regarding our children, you have a beautiful relationship with our children. Yeah. And I can attest to the fact that as you're describing it is the way it was. I was in great need of help. I needed the encouragement and the spurring on and the challenge that came from my wife saying, I want you to be the spiritual leader in the home. The children need you to be that. It didn't demean or demoralize me. It challenged me in appropriate ways. And I feel like you fleshed out your role as helper in that area very well in that time. And I wouldn't be where I'm at spiritually if you hadn't done that. I know just like Adam needed a helper, I needed a helper. And the Lord gave me just the exact one that I needed. And I know some wives hearing this, it can be kind of scary to them. And I agree, it can be scary. But if you ask the Lord to give you his desires for your husband and make them first priority, then that's going to help you. It's going to propel you. You're not going to be able to keep silent in encouraging your husband to have time with the Lord, to read his Bible, to encourage him to have prayer time together with you as a married couple. Whatever thoughts and ideas that you have, whether you are further along in maturity or not, wife, if it's something that's going to help your husband be more of a spiritual leader in your relationship, don't be shy to encourage your husband in it. I wanted my husband to be a spiritual leader. So I encouraged him towards that. I wanted my husband to be a loving, godly, good father. So I encouraged him towards that. I didn't sit back in silence saying, well, I hope he figures it out because he should be a spiritual leader. The Bible tells him to be, or he should be a loving father because the Bible tells him. We need to realize as wives that That is our main goal is to help our husbands be all that God wants them to be. That's the bottom line of a helper heart is to help our husband be all that God wants him to be. And as I hear you talk about this with such passion, I'm realizing that you and I have 
done our very best in our relationship to align our hearts with the way God said for marriage to be arranged. And so we adopted the reality that your role is the helper, my role is the head, and those are supposed to work together complementary. Remember, a, a helper fit for him, corresponding to him. They're supposed to go together hand in glove and be complementary to each other. And I just feel like we need to say here that that mentality about men and women operating together in marriage is very different from what our world teaches. And we've got to go back to scripture. There's all kinds of pushback we could receive from people about, well, it's putting women in boxes. It's, it's restricting them from using their talents, their vision, their gift. We're not trying to do any of that. We're talking about the relationship between the husband and the wife. That's what we're talking about. And we're trying to go back to, so to speak, the creator's handbook of how the marriage is supposed to be oriented. Because all any of us have to do to see if the philosophies our culture has pursued work or not is to look at the state of marriages in the world. I mean, divorce rates are higher than ever. Even those that are not divorcing are very unhappy a lot of times in their homes. Kids are a mess, et cetera. And, and that is not God's plan for the family. And it starts with the marriage relationship being oriented rightly before God with the roles being implemented the way they're supposed to be. And all of that actually has a bigger purpose behind it. God is advancing his kingdom in the world. And the primary way he intends to do that is to have a healthy couple operating within the parameters that he's designed for them, who then raise healthy, godly kids, who then get married and build a marriage again on God's principles. And it's this multiplication effect of healthy families, healthy homes that are evangelizing the world simply through multiplication. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be rubbing shoulders with non-believers and witnessing to them and drawing them into the family all, all at the same time. Of course, that's going to happen. But do you see how the whole thing happens better when the core social unit, the marriage, is designed the way that God intends it to be? When the world looks on and sees a godly marriage, it educates them on who God is hmm. and how God works and how he loves. Because he sees the husband loving the wife, the wife loving the husband, there being joy in the relationship. And then when the children come into the picture, the world sees the loving family. We're living our lives for the sake of the glory of God. We're not living our lives for the sake of our pleasure. Human nature leads us to think that way. And we've got to get off that train of thinking. If we are believers in Christ, we are living our lives for the Lord. And he is living in us for that purpose. That's right. And something that came to my mind as you were saying that is when the world is looking on at that healthy family living in the joy and the peace and the harmony that it is, they're actually seeing a microcosm of the kingdom of God on earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're seeing a representation of God's plan for the whole ball of wax, not just this one family. And hopefully in that onlooker's heart, something is stoked. A desire for that in their own life and their own experience is raised up to the surface. What a beautiful picture. Our God who has created all of heaven and earth and who has created us and has made a way through his son Jesus to bring us forgiveness and salvation until the spend eternity with him. To think that he's made us a part of his plan to spread his love throughout the whole world. Our little <laughs> measly desires pale in comparison to God's great plan. 
And the beautiful thing about it from a human perspective is not only does he call us into that great plan, he gives us an environment of joy and unity and harmony and love, a marriage relationship, in which to do that. I mean, it's a blessing to us as we're being obedient and carrying out our roles. Right. We are most content and we are most complete and satisfied in carrying out God's will. Okay, it's assignment time for this episode. I think it's a good idea if we have an assignment for the men and an assignment for the women based on all these things around the wife's role as helper. So Mindy's got the assignment for you ladies. So I would encourage you wives to start asking the Lord to grow humility in your heart, to be able to receive his wisdom about what it means to be a helper. And then ask the Lord to show you practical ways of how you can help your husband. And then I would encourage you to ask the Lord to give you a helper's heart, the heart that is passionate to see your husband grow in his relationship with the Lord so that he can be the best spiritual leader to you as he can be, as God helps him to be. And for you guys, your assignment is very similar. Ask God to give you a heart of humility so that you will be receptive to your wife's encouragement, your wife's spurring on your wife's exhortation if it has to come. Guys, I think that as we grow in humility, we become better leaders in our homes because we're able to receive instruction, help, teaching, admonition, all the things we need to see our own blind spots and to grow beyond them. And our wives have been given to us as a helper to help in those ways and thousands more probably. But at least in those ways, begin that journey by asking the Lord for that humility. Okay, friends, thanks for being with us for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I will close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your guidance regarding marriage and for the roles that you've given us as helper and head in the marriage. I just pray that you will give your abounding grace to the wives who are listening to show them what it means to be a helper, how they can practically love their husband through helping them. I ask that you will give them your humility, Lord Jesus, so that they will be able to receive the encouragement and exhortation you have to give to them. And I just ask, Father, that you will bring great encouragement to these married couples and give them joy in their relationship as the days go on. In Jesus' name, amen. We would love to hear your questions about Christian marriage. You can go to youandmeandjesus.com, scroll down the page, and find the recording button to record yours, and we'll answer it on the podcast. Let's just start and we'll see. It feels like it fits somewhere. You can just toss it in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really neat feeling to have. And I think all of us, really neat feeling to have. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. That's all very true and a great response, but it, it's kind of unpacking our next point before we got to it. Okay. Um, so then we- <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You were looking kind of confused for a minute. I'm just wondering if we shouldn't, if we should have more dialogue back and forth instead of you just talking so much. Teaching to me. <laughs> You're talking too much. <laughs>
And as you describe that, wait a minute, what was I going to say? My brain just shut off. Um, okay, I don't like where I'm going with all this. So That's good. And it's, and it's no, not, okay. I'm going to go back and say okay. what I said again. Well, this is good, but I feel like we're way off track somehow. Yeah. I think up until the point that I tried to respond to what you said, <laughs> it was really good. I got us off track. Okay. Um, <laughs> can you say all that again? You stuttered a lot, and I'm just thinking of the editing. It's going to be hard to put okay. together. <laughs>